0: Hey there, Lions. Did you know that you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content by joining our paid support group, the Lions of Liberty Pride? For as little as $5 a month, you can help us grow this program to new heights. Learn more by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. Hey, there is going to be a little bit of cursing in this episode, so put the little libertarians to bed, uh, shove some cotton in their ears, I don't know, box them in the, in the ears, you know, whatever you want to do. But just know it's not going to be clean.
1: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams.
0: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land number 18 that, guys, of course, means that you can find it and the show notes over at lionsofliberty.com forward slash E-L-L-1-8. As always, I am your host, Brian McWilliams, as the beautiful lady said. Actually, you know what? I don't even know if she's good looking. <laughs> I heard her. I uh, I don't know. Like, I have no idea what she looks like. She could be hideous. She could have no legs, one leg, a peg leg, which I guess is like a half a leg. I don't know. I, I really, uh, let's just pretend for our own sakes, for the mental image that she's a beautiful woman, sultry. Anyway, welcome to the show, guys. I'm going to have Paul Meekin of the Libertarian Republic join me in just a couple minutes, but I did want to hit a couple things at the top of the show, uh, including a brief update to my last episode about the Trump 100 days, the arbitrary number we all love to talk about. Uh, And I also wanted to talk a little bit about, the Equality Act that was just reintroduced by Nancy Pelosi, among other people. So, you know, that's just a real piece of garbage, just a a turd floating in the toilet waiting to be flushed. First off, let's talk about Trump real quick. So since last episode, he's done a few things, including putting some dreaded tariffs on Canadian lumber. So, you know, when I said I was giving him the benefit of the doubt because he had not yet begun to tariff things. Well, throw that right out the window. So negative mark for Trump on that one. Again, tariffs help nobody. I'm not going to go on a long diatribe about it because I just did it on last show. But you know where I stand on that. Now, one of the good things Trump did, though, in my opinion, is he did, uh, or actually at least he stated the intention to sign executive orders that would repeal Obama's restrictions on where you could drill. So obviously, the Obama administration went out of their way to really put their boot on the neck of fossil fuels. Coal industry, which I already discussed, and now the oil industry. So this is enabling people to drill offshore, to drill in uh, in Alaska and other other uh, cold weather places that were previously off limits. And I'm all for that. I say good. I don't think that that because there's one spill every 400 times you drill that you should not be allowed to drill in certain areas. Uh, it seems like the BP spill was something that everybody learned a big lesson from, just like Exxon. How many times since Exxon spilled, you know, the Exxon Valdez, since they stained all the penguins in a lace nice thick layer of tar, how many spills have you had? Zero? Maybe there might have been one I could think of. And that was, what, 20 years ago now? So clearly the market responds because nobody wants to lose money. Nobody wants to take that PR hit. You don't need government to get in the way. Nobody's going to try to crash the goddamn boat into an iceberg and Titanic a bunch of cute little penguins of which the emperor penguin is my favorite. It's a fun fact for you. So there you go. So a little bit of Trump tough to update that. Um, Let's move on real quick to the equity, or I'm sorry, the Equality Act, because Paul and I are going to talk for a long time coming up. Um, And I do apologize a little bit, guys. The audio quality in the first half of that interview is not the greatest. We had a little bit of issue with Paul's mic, which worked out later in the show. We got that fixed. But just to warn you, there's a little bit of an issue there. So please do bear with it. It's not too bad, though. Your ears are going to be they're not going to be bleeding. I mean, if you can handle this voice all the time, uh, your ears are pretty tough anyway. You've got some nice big calluses sitting on those drums. Okay, so the Equality Act. This is put forth as a, you know, th- this is a bill that got shot down previously. I don't know why they think it's somehow going to pass now with a GOP-controlled uh, House and Senate. But it essentially is putting the protections back into place for LGBTQ. So that goes into uh, putting protections so that you can't discriminate against them in restaurants or in stores uh, or in housing. And, you know, on the surface, look, I don't think anybody should be discriminated against, of course. But as you also know, I'm all for a private property owner or somebody that owns a store having the right to refuse service to somebody. And the most powerful tool in the world at this point in time is still Yelp for correcting all of the world's ills when it comes to discrimination. So this bill is pointless. All it's going to do is cause a massive amount of lawsuits to spring up all over the place. And you know that half of the lawsuits that come out are not going to be based in any sort of reality. They're going to be based in perceived slights. I mean, look what already happens with people suing their employer for sex discrimination, uh, which this would also cover that, by the way, for trans and queer people. So you'd have a whole nother slew of lawsuits against sexual discrimination on top of the, the ones that already exist that are legitimate and that are completely falsified money grabs. And then, of course, you add a little layer on top of that for people who are discriminated against when they're trying to get housing. And I always think of this not in the way of like, okay, some somebody like Donald Trump, which everybody trumped up, pardon the pun, but trumped up his past history where he was allegedly not renting to uh, black people when they wanted to get entrance to this fancy building. Now, here's the thing about that. When I look at that, I say, okay, well, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, you don't want this this widespread discrimination, but again, the guy owns private property uh and you can fight back against that in various ways. but I think of it more as like if i' if I have a house and I have a back you know like a little back house in the in the area which a lot of people in California do, and somebody comes and they say, oh, you know I want to rent your little back house and for whatever reason. Not because they happen to be trans, but let's say it's a dude that shows up in a dress and I don't rent to him. Instead, I rent to uh, some some couple, I don't know, whatever, somebody else that I prefer. For whatever reason, I prefer that person. This person now with this act in place can now turn around and sue me because I didn't rent them my little house on my property in my yard. And look, I don't have anything against people that are trans or queer or anything. Um, I'm all, you know, whatever. Live the way you want to live as long as it's not my problem. But the issue becomes my problem when somebody's trying to rent something on my property. Or, as I said, you know, like Trump also is rolling back the transgender bathroom things because that basically makes uh, something that that is not my problem into my problem. So I'm all against this Equality Act. Uh, I just think it's going to create way more problems than it's going to solve. I mean, if we're being completely honest, the amount of problems that stem from LGBTQ people being discriminated against in this day and age, I think are very, very slim. I think there's more benefit for most people to hire somebody that is, uh, gay or lesbian, uh, for the, for the topics of diversity to make sure they look like they have an incorporated, uh, culture, very welcoming corporate culture. And again, nobody wants to get that reputation on glassdoor.com, uh, for having a business that's discriminatory towards people that are gay or people that are trans or people that are bi. Although, who minds people that are by right? It's all for those people. So that's my take on the Equality Act. No need. Another unnecessary bureaucratic step that's just going to infringe on people's basic rights to, uh, to own and run their own companies the way that they want. And coincidentally, Trump also signed an executive order that is supposed to be protecting religious liberties. So these things are kind of coming to a head at the same time, which is interesting. So it's going to be fun to watch. Just take a step back and watch how it plays out, because uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing Donald Trump rip into Nancy Pelosi. I can see him calling her something like a like a skin flaking weasel, you know, because she's so dried up and uh, and weird looking with all those neck tendons. Uh, maybe a, a gnarled old old birch branch would be another one he could lay on her. Maybe something along of like the the wild witch of the the sinewy West, you know, alleging all those freaky, those gnarly veins. Anyway, all sorts of things. I'm sure Donald can get some people on it. These are off the top of my head. You know, I'm not uh, tapping into my, my deep, deep writing ability for this. All right. That's it for the top of the show. All right, so as promised, I am sitting down here with Paul Meekin of the Libertarian Republic. Uh, he is a, uh, a writer over there. With you know, of course, we know the Libertarian Republic as Austin Peterson's little baby that he uh, that he brought into the world and has now weaned into something pretty formidable. And Paul writes uh, typically about a lot of pop culture issues. He does a lot of writing about movies and entertainment. So I wanted to bring him in here uh, as a uh, <laughs> to, as my ongoing promise to actually talk about pop culture and not just straight politics all the time on electric liberty land. So welcome Paul. Great to have you on the show, man.
1: Ah, oh, thanks for having me, Mr. McWilliams.
0: Anytime. Well we'll see. Maybe not any time. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> At least this one time <laughs> yeah. though. I'll give you benefit of the doubt. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's my first time, so be gentle.
0: I'll try. I to, I've made that promise before. <laughs> Um, oh gosh! So you know, first thing I—I I will not be gentle on this topic, though. I, you know, as I had mentioned to you a little bit, was your jazz before the call. Uh, I want to talk about before we talk about anything else, just because I just was reading about it today and listening to it. But you know, I think it happened on you know over the weekend. But Obama, this this amazing. Uh, you know, man on the hill for the left who is considered by some to be the greatest president that has ever sat in office. And of course, people look to as uh, the, the great reformer and uh, battler against Wall Street, a man of the people. He just gave a speech to Wall Street executives to the tune of $400,000. Did you hear this news? <laughs>
1: I did hear this
0: news. (laughs) What's your what's your take on that? Can the left? If you're if you're on the left right now and you're seeing this, are you in are you still in a complete state of denial that that this man has his little flaws and is basically the exact same tool of the the big money businesses? And, you know, as every other president throughout history has been.
1: You know, I guess I guess it depends. Like, you know, people on the left, I went to uh, Columbia College, Chicago. So all of my friends on Facebook uh, are you know very liberal in nature it's like every president does this how dare you get on obama's butt about this and i guess that makes sense M- more importantly for me i guess it depends on what president obama is saying you know if he's going to wall street and being like oh you guys are great you're the backbone of the american economy that's a problem because he spent eight years telling us how right they're ruining us however if you know Wall Street wants to pay Barack Obama four hundred thousand dollars for him to show up and do what Colbert did at the White House Correspondents' Dinner a few years ago, that's a different story. If like Obama's going in there and, and telling truth to power and being like, "Look what you guys did the second I got into office. The housing collapse. You were too risky, and 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 you almost ruined everything. Cut that out." Like if they're paying him to give like that kind of speech. I'm okay with it. It's their money, it's his prerogative. I don't think they're telling him what to say.
0: No, probably. know, I no, I've not seen any transcript of what was said. And that's what I was wondering is considering the run-up to the election when Hillary Clinton had given these speeches and everybody said we want to see the transcripts, and of course, you know, they wouldn't release them for a long time, and I think finally one of them came out. But I'm wondering if they'll ever release these transcripts, and I have a sneaking suspicion. That they will not see the light of day because you do well, have to I mean, ask you're yourself.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, you're not
0: going to give it away for free, <laughs> right? Well, for that reason, yeah. it also, I, you know, it's one of those things where you go, well, is this, you know, is this 400k kind of like with the Clinton Foundation? Is this 400k a, a, a sort of payback for for a little scratch scratching of the back when he was in office? You know, a little quid pro quo kind of thing, so. I, I would be shocked if it ever, ever saw the light of day. And I would I would suspect that there was some very, you know, I, I don't think he was speaking truth to power, as you said. I think he was probably scratching a lot of bellies.
1: Right, right. And I think one thing that did come out, ironically, about Hillary, I guess there was a WikiLeaks email where she said she would help the banks not legalize pot, which is a thing that did come out. And I I just heard about it from Joe yeah. Rogan of all people, so I can't corroborate it. But, you know, a lot of this back, back room kind of stuff, you know, like I'm going to pay you $400,000 to hear a guy speak for 20 for, for 20 minutes. Yeah, sure, I'm sure that's what you're paying for. Uh-huh. Right, I yeah. believe you 100%. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's
0: like Bill Clinton when he's getting, you know, what it was like a million dollars a year for being sitting on a board of some school and it's like mm. I don't mm. think you just. I don't think uh, you know. Even if you're a for-profit university, you have money to to, to chuck a million dollars at a guy to do absolutely nothing. Clearly, he's doing something for you, and that something is that is you know can't be officially on the books.
1: Right, right, exactly. Yeah, it, it's messy. All the politics is just, oh, yeah. I think that's why we're on this podcast because like there are too many people in power, and power is inherently corruptible. So, full in power and less government to prevent corruption as much as possible so we know the people that are in power ha- don't have the ability to you know affect our lives in a negative way based on a $400,000 donation someone made you know right
0: right well that's the general concept too i always gravitate towards when people talk about wanting larger government in general is that you look to all of these people that have fallen once they've achieved any modicum of power and you go okay so you just want to keep expanding government knowing that the government will fall to pieces. And actually, here we go. Watch this segue. Uh, I talked about this in my episode where I talked about uh, Rick and Morty being the most libertarian TV show on the airwaves right now. And I was talking about it in the context of there was a government of all Ricks. And this government of all Ricks was still as corrupt as possible. And that was a government made up of all of the most intelligent people throughout every universe, you know, and parallel universe. they Even these these amazing men with IQs of 300 still became complete and utter buffoons and corruptible once they got into government. So it goes to show you, you know, there's no perfect government because the people that are in the government, without a doubt, will always become corrupted no matter what.
1: Right, exactly. You know, and it, it's, it's seductive in nature, you know, like, hey, man, I'll give you this much money if you just do this little thing for me. And like, oh, man, I need that money because I want to continue to do these good things I think I want to do. Yep. You know, so as a result, next thing you know, you're taking all these money, from, all this money from special interests, and that's who you're beholden to, not necessarily your constituents.
0: Yeah, it's like if we're gonna, yeah. if we're gonna look at it in the entertainment, uh, let's let's I will segue to the entertainment side of things. It's like George Clooney. You know, he makes his <laughs> he makes his movie. He wants to make his little film, but then he's got to whore himself out to the man and make Oceans sixty four or whatever the hell is coming out now.
1: See, the weird thing about Hollywood, though is that Hollywood of of everything ever is probably the best um, description or best example of like a free market in a way because, you know, they make what people want. Uh, you look at movies like, you know, Moonlight or Get Out or there's another movie coming out called Slight. You know, they're all uh, very heavily promoted and very focused on um, like African-American issues and characters primarily because that's what the market right. uh, more or less kind of demands or wants. So they're putting these out. You know, because that's what people want to see.
0: Yeah. I've you know, I've I've heard nothing about Slate. I saw a trailer for it. I know it's a supernatural kind of superhero movie, but I know nothing more than that. Do you have any idea what it's yeah. about, just out of curiosity?
1: Yeah, well it's coming out, it's being produced by WWE Films of all people. Oh, okay. And uh what's you know, of course the trailer says from the producer of Get Out. I'm like, Well geez, if this movie's <laughs> coming out now and Get Out came out. Or however long ago, I don't think he made another movie in that time. Like,
0: no, he, might, he 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 um, checked a yes on the script box. Yeah, Jordan Peele. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, which is fine. Like that's cool. I mean, if that guy has a brain on him, he, he's incredibly talented. I think he's going to be making the new Akira movie, oh, or really? so rumors say, which okay. could be cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Slights about a guy. I guess he has. He's a, he's a magician, and then he gets magic powers, and then it turns into like a thriller. So hopefully, it turns into a better. Now you see me. Yeah, sure yeah. <laughs> I have. And Mark yeah, Buffalo.
0: I have. It was that yeah, was a, one of those classic. See, <laughs> <I know. laughs> it was a, like it was a classic film where you're like, you know, and I love I love magic. I love sleight of hand. I've gone to the Magic Castle here in uh, in Los Angeles. We have this iconic institution called the Magic Castle, and yeah. uh, all the magicians are there. So I love going to see that. But then, yeah, yeah. Now you see me was just kind of this. This joke pushing back against big business uh, using basically just CGI in the guise of magic. It's like, well, OK, none of this, you know, and you kind of want to yeah. know, like real magic. It's magic. It's impressive because it's actually being done in real life, not just with CGI right. tricks. so
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that movie should have been people with no special powers. Right. Doing this stuff, you know, like I'm not sure if you ever seen like early Eddie Murphy movies where he'd like play a character to get into a room, you know, and pretend he has a bomb in a little duty bag, right. you know, like use that kind of thing to achieve your goals, and all of a sudden it's not based on the magical powers to stop the rain in the middle of the day. Right, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. They they allude to this technology which they don't explain and somehow that that magically allows them to yeah. Anyway, don't. Yeah. I would say for those of you listening, if you have not seen Now You See Me or Now You See Me 2, the Now You See Meing, um, avoid them if you can. Or as I do, uh, the way as I saw them, as I see most terrible movies, is very hungover where I want something so mindless that it will not make my brain hurt more than it already does.
1: Yeah, it's one of those so bad, it's good movies. Like, it's just cheesy enough. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. How in the world could this be? A movie, you know, so you can yeah. enjoy it for like that campy level because it has just enough quality where you can sit and watch and be like, oh,
0: right. You know, <laughs> And then, you, but you still want to go. How many how many writers are on this? How many producers had to sign off on this garbage before it hit the big screen?
1: <laughs> well, you know, speaking of the free market to making a third one, you want to know why both of those movies made a ton of oh, money.
0: God, so, I know. I know. That's, it's it's, you can't th- get mad. No, I, I'm not. I mean, I can get mad because I am a uh, a wannabe screenwriter. So I could be plenty mad. <laughs> but I can't fault you know I can't fault them for for doing it yeah making money keep on making that money man because you know what if nothing else they need to have these tentpole piece of crap features so that they can fund as you said other movies that are will may not be so successful but could actually be a little bit better
1: <laughs> right right uh gosh there was some story I was reading um someone did some movie to get an, uh, another movie funded I think like uh, Matthew McConaughey did something way back in the day to get. Dallas Buyers Club yeah. funded I remember reading a story about it I'm not 100% sure well
0: that's perfect let's talk, talk why don't we talk about Dallas Buyers Club because Paul and I were we were emailing back and forth and we we're talking about the well before we go into I we have specific movies and Dallas Buyers Club you had listed as like your top movie uh well maybe I don't know if you ranked them in order but you had it as number one in your list for your uh, libertarian films but before we get into that specifically I wanted to just discuss do you think Now, more than ever, we're seeing more libertarian concepts come out into film.
1: Yeah. So are there more libertarian movies? I mean, maybe I think it may just be more that there've always been movies about fighting against the evils of government, fighting against, you know, oppression from your community or society in general, just for how you believe and think and want and feel. So now that libertarianism seems to be kind of bubbling up, it has like this weird energy behind it. I think people are more keen to notice those uh, elements in a movie. So like Dallas Buyers Club, it comes out, it's really about fighting against AIDS, but like if you're a libertarian, you're like, oh man, look at how terrible the government is at providing for these sick people. Look at how they're dragging their heels. Look at how they're getting this wrong. And all these problems would be solved if the government would just get the hell out of the issue and, and work to help, but not tell people what they can and can't do when they're dying. Right. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What they can put into their own bodies to, that would save their lives, literally, if not for them stepping in the way and putting regulations that would stop. Because I'm trying to remember the exact. It was, he was he was smuggling in drugs that were saving people's lives from. Mexico or Canada it's been a while since I saw that film but it's it was something along the lines of where he was smuggling drugs in because you know to help the people that had HIV and AIDS and it was like it was the the whatever the actual drug was was illegal at the time correct
1: yeah and and the one of them is uh called peptide c and like I guess that's the thing that really helped them out and it's still illegal for some reason
0: oh I didn't realize that (laughs) Why do we know why it's still illegal? It's just they they can't they can't 100% get a get an approval factor where it's not going to I guess be deadly to a certain portion of the population. Is that basically the stipulation behind it? It's
1: it's, it's like any drugs. It probably has to do with money and concern and someone somewhere said this is too dangerous to release to the population. So we're going to go with these somehow less dangerous drugs despite the fact that I guess AZT had some pretty negative effects on people.
0: Yeah. At well, the time. Th- well, then there's also I mean, you know, you look at what's happening with EpiPen and all sorts of these other technology or uh, drug technologies yep. where you have lobbyists blocking the way because not because the drugs aren't effective or safe, but because they instead say, well, we've got the solution. So we're trying to lobby to raise the bar so that other competitors can't get in the market, which to me is one of the most nefarious things about. Uh, you know, the about drug laws in general and having to get this you know, having to get pushed through by the FDA and get their stamp of approval when you have these forces working against drugs that are perfectly perfectly safe, but they keep you know, just for the sake of money, stopping people from getting them.
1: Yeah, it's nuts. Like I remember gosh, I must have been a freshman in college and I saw you ever watch Boston Legal?
0: No, no, I haven't seen it.
1: So Boston Legal, finale of that show, spoiler alert uh two characters who are straight get gay married so one character can have like lawyer control over another character who has alzheimer's Hmm. and then the guy doesn't have any medication that he needs to fix it so they go to the supreme court and argue to say if he's dying he should be allowed to get whatever drugs he wants and because it's a tv show uh the supreme court approves he gets his canadian drugs and everyone lives happily ever after (laughs) in in real life you know there could be a drug in canada or in mexico that could save your life or at least make it a little bit better as you kind of like wean away into nothing Yeah, and you have to jump through all these hoops. And like, unless you have a support system around you, you know, I sincerely doubt like a fourth stage cancer patient is going to have the oomph To be able to do that, and they'll just wither away, despite the options being only a couple of hundred miles away.
0: Oh, completely, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, that scenario, like you said, it is complete fantasy. It's almost that's almost as crazy a scenario as like you expect them to pull out and kind of like what was it, Twin Peaks, the ending where it's all a dream and a retarded kid's head. That's like oh, that's
1: uh, that's Saint Elsewhere.
0: Saint Elsewhere, yeah. It's a it's a Saint Elsewhere scenario where you go, that would never happen. Not in this government. Uh, Not in this day and age. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, so Dallas Buyers Club you had on there um, V for Vendetta. I think a lot of people look to V for V to the v, uh, v for Vendetta as a libertarian film because obviously it's pushing back against uh, government oversight. It's you know back against the the overarching controlling state, the warfare state, the Big Brother concept. So you had said you know you see it as a libertarian movie, kinda. What was the kinda? Why do you think it's not full fledged uh, libertarian manifesto material? <laughs>
1: Well, I think, well, that's the problem. I think it's very much libertarian manifesto, you know, material like tear down the government. We're going to take over. We'll show these jerks, you know, but like my whole thing with libertarianism is like it seems like a lot of people are abdicating for like a big reset. button. And like movies like that are the big reset button, in the movie, take it all down, start all over again. Mm-hmm. And I think what can happen when you watch a movie like that, and if you're a libertarian, you're like, oh, that's what we got to do. And that, you know, to me anyway, seems very difficult. Whereas like a movie like Dallas Buyer Club, there's like a lot of things you can take out of it that are actionable. You know, so I watch that movie and like, oh, my God, this is horrible. I write about it. I look into it. Perhaps I email Bernie Sanders or Cory Booker and say, hey, how about these prescription, you know, uh drug costs? I saw this movie and I think that, you know, that we should do something about this. And it, you can add your voice. It's an actionable movie, mm-hmm. whereas V for Vendetta isn't necessarily as actionable and also it's very – um Trying to think of the word, you know, uh, it supports anarchy more than anything else, you know, because it says we're going to yeah, take true. down the government.
0: That's and true, that's yeah. Happens. And the whole, yeah, the you culmination know? of the film and everybody's seen it at this point, so I'm not worried about boilers in any yeah. way but yeah so yeah the culmination of, of course trying to blow up parliament uh which they accomplish and all the you know the populace rises up which i'm all for the populace rising up if uh, if it comes to that it's true hey what? look when it comes to it i'm down with blowing up uh parliament if it if we could reach a point where the government has so much control in the way that it did in V for vendetta i guess as well so
1: <laughs> i want know a weird thing about V for vendetta uh when's the last time you saw that movie
0: uh all the way through probably a couple years now
1: Okay, so the you know the main T V guy, the guy who's on T V doing yes. the whole we have to check down. Yeah, I love him. Steven so, uh
0: it, Ma, yeah no, Stephen something. He's yeah. also
1: in yeah, he's also in Speed Racer, but like in this movie, what's really weird, think about his background. He has a strong military background, government connections, media empire. Does this sound like anybody in the Donald Trump administration?
0: Yeah, yeah, that is true.
1: <laughs> Steve Bannon is so weird. I'm watching him like, wait a minute. But uh, <laughs> just kind of pulled that out. I was like, Okay, that's unique. <laughs>
0: all right well let's talk about so the next one you've had we have one vigilante with v for vendetta and uh and the main character v but then the next one on your list you had the dark knight and uh you have that listed as a and i don't know if i agree with you on this one or not because i want to hear what your what your thoughts are you're saying it you like the fact that it has it advocates for vigilante justice to stop terrorism but um you know i don't know because it's because i in my opinion, it also advocates for a a man who's taken the law into his own hands. And exactly. I wonder, is is that I mean, but is that libertarian or not? Um, because you're you're going around the courts. And we always say in libertarianism, you know, we want everybody to have a fair shake. Like, is this is Batman drone bombing uh, Afghanis like Obama and Trump, essentially, and going around due process,
1: yeah. Well, this is what I'm saying. like it's it's a good movie for libertarians to watch. To kind of understand um, the argument other – you know, like the, the, the whole point of The Dark Knight is that it's, it's, an, it's an analogy for the war in Iraq and the war in the Middle East. We are fighting an enemy that does not play by our rules. How do we fight an enemy that doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention, doesn't believe in law, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the joker is. He just wants to see the world burn. So how do you fight a man with traditional means who doesn't abide by any rules of traditional war? You have to bend the rules, and I would say what that movie is advocating for is you must give up your a little bit of your liberty for a little bit of your security, and it makes an excellent case for it. If we don't do this, Joker's going to get away and kill a bunch of people. Yeah, so it gives up a uh, you know this notion of it's. I think Brent Franklin said it. Anyone who gives up uh liberty for freedom deserves or liberty for security deserves neither Mm -hmm. batman is saying a little bit of security uh is 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 worth your liberty in this case
0: yeah see i don't know know if i could get on board with that though because that's what what
1: i'm saying i don't agree with it at all my my logic is is like the price of liberty is shit like the joker
0: right i swear yeah 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 (laughs) fuck yes don't worry about that (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: like that's what i'm saying like this is What this says is it, – it, it says something I don't agree with, but it says it so well you can still enjoy the movie even if you disagree with the politics, right? So like the thing that made me a writer, the thing that, that – the, the inciting incident, if you want to use a screenwriting term, that got me from where I was to literally sitting here on a podcast about writing and libertarianism in movies was the TV show The West Wing. That is a show that advocates for government control, the power of government, what government can do when it works together – And I think, you know, at this point, I don't agree with a lot of what the West Wing says, but I appreciate the way it says it because it makes a compelling and fair case for what they're trying to say. It has a point of view that I don't agree with anymore, but I still appreciate what it's trying to do, and it it gives me fuel to make quality arguments because that's the quality argument that I'm up against, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I can, I can follow your logic there. I, I was not a huge watcher of the West Wing, uh, nor any, really any of the shows from that, from that specific writer. I, uh, to be honest, I couldn't get into it because the, just like Gilmore Girls for me, I, the, the cadence was too annoying. <laughs> I couldn't, I just couldn't get on board because it was just like, I about how do we do it? How do you do Like back and forth too fast. I was like, after one episode, I was like, nah now
1: oh i love it it's my favorite thing it's a radio play <laughs> it's, it on, and literally
0: know. yeah that's exactly what it sounds like it's just yeah it's non-stop chatter there's no there's no pregnant pauses or breaks it's just like like rocket fire machine gun dialogue back and forth um okay yeah, so let's oh go ahead good
1: no no i was just agreeing with you like it's it's crazy
0: <laughs> um so let's move on to uh so you got dr strangelove i don't know i don't know if we need to go too far into that, and i feel like that's that speaks for itself, right? Like everybody oh, Yeah, I just it.
1: saw it, believe it or not, I'm a terrible movie person. I just saw it for the first time like six months ago. Really? Oh, wow. It was right at the height of like everyone was talking about Russia. Yeah. You know, like remember, I think there was one point CNN had a, uh, a headline, the issue with Russia and then a picture of a missile silo and then like four other sub headlines mm-hmm. about what Russia could do to America. And I'm like, well, this seems like a good time to watch Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. And it was very depressing.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it really is. It's but funny. I oh mean, yeah,
1: that's the, that's the brutal part. It's like it's so it, you you laugh as to not cry.
0: Yeah, it you is it, it is a truly and one of the one of the most brilliant I think uh satirical movies uh, ever made. Well, I mean obviously I think it won an Academy Award. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, brilliant movie. Yeah, if you have not seen Doctor Strange please do see it. Um yeah, it's just a real fantastic piece of commentary talking about uh you know the way in which militaries and governments interact, the way you know the, the responsibilities are lack of having the bomb. It's just it's really great.
1: It's brutal, and it's like all about counterintelligence. Like, you know, well, hey, let's—we're we're about to be doomed, but let's continue to spy on each other. Yeah, you know, and that's <laughs> the mentality of our government now. Like that movie is timeless. You can watch it now, and all the characters in it, all the mentalities, make sense. You know, even even the guy talking about fluoride, uh, fluoridation, or whatever it is with fluoride, oh, yeah. fluoridation. Crazy yeah. people think, you know, uh, how is that any different from like an anti-vaxer or something? You yeah, know, like no, we definitely. need to. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Um, OK, so that that now the last one on here I've got. So I've got my list of libertarian films that I'm going to bring up. Uh, you've okay. got Captain America, the Winter Soldier as one of your picks. And I want to hear why you think that one is more of a libertarian film than Captain. was it a, Avengers Civil War? Avengers yeah, Civil Captain War. Yeah,
1: Captain America Civil or War. Captain
0: America Civil War. Because I thought that one was the one of the most libertarian films I've ever seen in my entire existence. Um, well, I
1: think. It has a good libertarian mindset. I just don't like – like that movie they spend about 20 minutes talking about, I'm not going to register. I shouldn't be registered. And then the rest of the time they're punching each other or like going to a secret uh, prison where they bring up like a guy who was shot by police somehow.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But <laughs> but I mean,
1: Anthony Mackie. I'm, I'm not saying that sense. it
0: was subtle. I, that's But that's why in a way – like that's why I was thinking. When I saw that movie, I was really like, wow, this is like – hardcore libertarian and I, and I think it might have even been the first Captain America where the plot of that was you know they had that giant aircraft or maybe it was the first Avengers they had this giant aircraft character and the character aircraft carrier and they were going to turn these massive guns upon the populace to you know because they're going to wipe out the people to get rid of some other threat so it's like it, yeah, that's like the consistently these of oh, that is to okay so that is winter soldier yeah so yeah. this one for me the Avengers the next or the Captain America the Civil War one it took that that concept even farther with, yeah, the registry, with them being forced to do, do, you know, to take these actions by the government, fight for the government. They didn't think they should be responsible for it. um You know, it brings in the concept of I think they even get into blowback in it. So I just yeah, that to me really put it uh, above and beyond. But, yeah, talk, talk a little bit about the Winter Soldier. Why do you feel that one's a little bit more more libertarian?
1: Well, I just like, well, Civil War felt very long and bloated and didn't really have those issues as much in it than the Winter Soldier did. Like at one point in The Winter Soldier, Captain America is talking to Nick Fury, and Nick Fury's like, We can now train this on anyone we think could be a criminal and, and detain them. And Captain America's like, Well, I thought you had to commit a crime before yeah. you could be arrested. <laughs> and like just that line right there was like, Okay, I get it. And the crazy part is this movie came out like I think it was like only a few months after Edward Snowden released all that D- NSA spying yeah, stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was very, like, very timely.
1: Yeah, and and another point of this movie that it makes, which I appreciate, is it takes time to explain the logic of the enemy. It explains why Nick Fury and Robert Redford's character want to do this and the benefits and how it would make us safer. And to really be a strong libertarian, you have to understand the strong arguments and counteract them. Captain America says, yeah, I understand that, but that's wrong. You're punishing people for crimes they did not commit. That is wrong. I don't care if it's easier. Whereas in like the Civil War movie, like they kind of talk about it for a little bit. But after that, there's no more debate. They're separate. They're fighting with each other. I don't want to be registered. Why? Well, what's in the registration program? What if that registration program is just like you have to be trained as a police officer? You know, stuff like that. It doesn't go into the details of the ideology. It just kind of puts them in two little boxes and has them punch at each other. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my logic anyway.
0: All right. I I I won't argue with that. I like the I like the, the amount of thought you put into it, and I agree. <laughs> By the yeah, way, I
1: think it's the timeliness of it more than anything else.
0: Yeah, no, it was and and, and it, again it was like really surprising at the time to see a, a big Hollywood film have this concept in it. And I was surprised it got through. Maybe because uh the director had final cut and was just like this is the way it's gonna be or you know i'm not doing the film so yeah it was awesome awesome to see i'm excited to see the next one but i do agree they are getting way too bloated there's way too many characters way too much pointless action michael bay style but hey you know what if you need to have movie monsters and superheroes punching each other for 30 minutes to get a good libertarian value system instilled in the populace i'll take that trade off any day man
1: well speaking of michael bay have you seen the island
0: yeah, I have. Yeah, the island is actually, I agree. That's, that's pretty interesting. But that's, I mean, that's more tied into, uh, corporatism though than it is government, isn't it? Cause that's well, this more is true, like yeah. an evil. It's an evil corporation that's, that's farming these people and doing this, uh, which brings up the question. Uh, well, clearly from a, as a libertarian standpoint with natural rights, you can't. You can't do that to people. Uh, I was right, going to say, exactly. is that Although, something <laughs> that could ever happen, but no.
1: <laughs> well, we're growing synthetic embryoids in various uh, labs all across the country and the world. True. Where, that's uh, that's
0: we, going down a whole another realm of discussion though. that <laughs> is so difficult for libertarians. I, I, I'm i not, I'm not going to get into that today. Cause that cause we could go, we could go down the rabbit hole of where does, Yeah. You know, where did, where do rights begin? Uh, where does the life begin? Where does, you know, all that. And, uh, Uh, Better left for another day. (laughs) All right. Another one I want to bring up, and I was surprised it wasn't on your list because this is like a classic. I know I have The Hunger Games written down, but I think that's also so on the nose that, you know, we don't need to go into it too much. It's We just will acknowledge that it has very strong libertarian themes, (laughs) clearly. Uh, But ghostbusters maybe i mean to me that still might be the most libertarian movie of all time and done in a creative fashion wherein the viewer unless you look for like i didn't know <laughs> watching it the first time but you like check off the boxes as you're going through it watching later on knowing what you know and you're like oh, okay government oversight government overreach you know the epa is getting involved in shutting shit down just because they don't know what it is You've got the you know, cracks at the uh, education system and the funding therein that they get; these state universities and how they fund things, and the pseudoscience. Like you know, uh, just I just love everything about that film. And I'm wondering, is that one have you have you gone through and appreciated the libertarianism inherent in Ghostbusters, the the old one? Anyway, I've not seen the new one.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I've seen the uh, the original, of course. I mean, who hasn't? But uh, as far as, like, watching it again with, like, trying to read for that subtext – I mean, I can't say that I have, but just, you know, I've seen it so many times going back. Yeah. Government guy shows up and he's like, I'm going to turn off this big machine that holds all the ghosts. And they're like, don't do that. You right. don't want to do that. It's going to end poorly. It's like, I don't care. And then inevitably it ends poorly.
0: Right, yeah. And you, you, know? Have the, you know, you have the mayor, uh, you know, the mayor is kind of a, a dipshit and he's, he doesn't know what's happening. He's got to fight with the EPA to get him pushed through there. And it's just it's all, like. I don't know, everything about it, just it, when you watch it again, and I, I advocate watching it again uh, with new, fresh eyes, and you will be like, oh, wow, oh, wow, look at that. And like, even even you know, down to like this- It's on the with... list. Yeah. <laughs> Good. It better be. Yeah. But have you seen- <laughs> That the... one and... Oh, go ahead. Go, ahead. go on. But I was going say, have you seen the new Ghostbusters? Because I have not, and I'm curious if any of those themes are actually still in there
1: haven't seen it i do like the director the director is the guy who did bridesmaids i believe
0: yeah i think um, it's paul feig um who was yeah, yeah he so did like, do bridesmaids
1: yeah so the so the issue with with ghostbusters from what i understand is that it does like the judd apatow thing of like okay here are your two very funny actors and then they're just going to improv improv into a scene mm. and like for that to work you need tight editing and you need very talented people who know where they're going And from what I understand, the movie is just very kind of like languid in that regard. Like, you know, uh, Kristen Wiig is playing awkward nerdy girl again. Uh, Melissa McCarthy is fat girl who falls down again. Right. Which is is is
0: why I can't stand Melissa McCarthy. I did like her in Spy, oh. but overall, it's like, yeah, she literally is the same character in every movie. She is fat girl that falls down or goes, well, I just, uh, you know, she's like awkward fat girl that falls down. That's it. That's yeah, her and that's one not, one. I
1: don't necessarily know if, like, I mean, the thing is, is like her character in Bridesmaids, like, was it awkward fat girl fall down? Sort of, but it was also unique, you know? Yeah, she also she was like,
0: butchy and, yeah.
1: Yeah, but not even that. Like, at the end of the movie, she's the heart of that movie. She shows up to Kristen Wiig, who is going through... You know, you could almost say there's like a AA subtext to that movie. She hits her rock bottom and then someone comes in and offers her support and then she makes amends and then she kind of climbs her way back up. Uh, but Melissa McCarthy specifically uh, shows up and is like, look, I didn't have a great life. Look at me. I didn't have a lot of friends, but you know what I did? I worked hard and now I have security clearance. I don't care what people say <laughs> about me, which is right. the most one of the more libertarian things I can think of is like life hands you a deck of cards. You got to play them or yeah. you just fold in your screwed. And Melissa McCarthy's character in that movie played them.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's it, I won't I won't go so far to say it's a commentary on the welfare state, but I do agree. Yeah, well, this it is does cheap. advocate for working hard uh, and earning what you've got. And if you, yeah, and if you're unhappy with your lot in life, don't blame somebody else. Just get up there and, and do something about it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that's so. That's I'll wrap up our our movie commentary there because I want to talk about. Uh, say we got about fifteen more minutes. So I want to get at least two topics in here the first of which is did you watch actually you know what hold on before we do that i'm going to take a commercial break hey guys this is roger paxton and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life but you're not listening to the lava flow podcast yet then what's wrong with you check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government the lava flow podcast striking the root every single episode all right we're back with paul meekin of the libertarian republic so we just wrapped up talking about some of the most libertarian movies that we found out there today and i advocate for you guys to please tweet them uh, tweet them out at us paul what's your what's your twitter for the people here uh my Twitter is Meekin on Movies. There you go, Meekin on movies. It's catchy. It's like you're pitching oh, yeah. for your own for your own TV special.
1: Yeah, uh, well I used to work for Roger Ebert and like before that I hosted a movie review show for my college. Like, uh, well gosh, that sounds alliterative. So I just kind of kept it.
0: Interesting, man. Uh, ah, yeah. poor Roger. Oh well.
1: Yeah, oh it was brutal.
0: Yeah. Like I mean, uh oof. I used
1: to Yeah, I mean I used to it was like I like speaking of fat guy falls down, like growing <laughs> up as a fat kid, it was like Roger Ebert. And, like, I guess maybe Newt Gingrich as far as, like, fat people that were on the television and respected for their opinion right, versus right. being, like, Chris Farley. Yeah. So, like, it was so cool getting to work with that guy. But by the time I got to, like, it was after he had had his cancer and everything so we couldn't talk. Yeah. So it was, like, really, really, like, and intimidating, too. So, like, I didn't know what to say. And stuff. I'm like he was great. Like he at one point he sent me an email saying I have a gift for video editing. I'm like I'm putting that on my resume. Yeah, yeah. No you shit. know
0: <laughs> what? Did he, what did he have? Did he have a? Did he just type or did he have like a kind of a voice box thing? He would somehow. Yeah. He, use? Well,
1: he did. Uh, he kind of did the Stephen Hawking thing, and then he also kind of you know would type to people. So it would be like, Hey, Roger, hi. You know.
0: Right. Yeah. So
1: he at one point he uh, invested a whole bunch of money in this company. I think it's in Europe that uh, will synthesize your voice based on. How much speech you have, and like Roger Ebert was on yeah, TV for yeah, something like
0: a million. Yeah, they have him saying
1: every word ever made. You know, <laughs> that's good It's kind, of, kind of like was, the E
0: bombs world soundboards I used to play with. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. Except you can't call someone up and say, "Get to the chop." I know,
0: so that was the best one. You can't say two thumbs up. But tumor. Uh, it was a tumor for Roger, but uh, anyway, uh, well, ooh, <laughs> inappropriate yeah, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger reference there. I just
1: won't share it with anyone that I used to work with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: no that's i mean that's amazing i mean the guy yeah he clearly was an icon that's interesting i didn't realize that you uh that you'd work with him so that's very cool yeah man. it's pretty
1: crazy i mean it was the best couple of months of my life it was for um one of the in uh, republic which has the most comments but the least amount of positive reaction is i said <laughs> uh can we keep pbs please just for a, just for just for a year hey, you know you and can, I,
0: you like, got, hey man it's a free market if they, they you can fund pbs on your own Go out fundraise. But no, 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 no,
1: because <laughs> TLC used to be publicly funded. They used to be the learning channel.
0: Oh, and now, now they're back pop before shows it's or all midgets all the time? Who, huh? I said, yeah, they, they were publicly funded. Then as soon as they were, they became all midgets all the time.
1: Exactly. So, like, and, and my logic is, is if libertarians ever want to win an election and, and, like, convince some people to join the cause, a lot of this little petty stuff that, like, we hold on to in principle because it makes sense. Like, no, I shouldn't have to pay for PBS out of my paycheck, that's a principle of the thing. But in reality, it's costing us a dollar seventy-five a year, and to lose people who may be liberty-friendly because you can turn it into a private company, I feel like the uh, the gain versus the loss is a little. Uh, out of balance, because you can get a lot of people on board with a lot of libertarian issues. But if you say, well, we want to cut PBS, they may change their mind. I think there are a lot of people who love to smoke pot that really love their PBS. And if they have to pick between no PBS and pot, it may be a tough argument. Or they might just go with the democratic way, versus you know letting people make their own choices.
0: Well, we could just do what every other politician does and just lie to people about PBS, then get in and cut it.
1: Well, see, that's right. That's that's
0: true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that's the moral way to go, but it is the way politics works. I just feel you know, it's like I understand why like, I understand some people wanting to get to keep PBS. But, you know, for me, it's just look, if you want to fund something, you fund it on your own. You know, people shouldn't be forced, even though it's only a buck seventy five a year per person. Still, you know, hey, if you love it, you're going to pay for it. I feel like the same way about arts education and music education things. You know, if you removing the amount of funding that goes to the arts from the government is not going to break the arts. It's not going to uh, keep us from having the next Picasso because people that are artists are going to find a way to art. You know, it's uh, and and I feel the same way about a lot of television and a lot of especially in, in the age we are in now. Um, you know, it's the same argument that I make for why we don't need regulations and we, we why we don't need laws protecting minorities when it comes to businesses that yelp is the most powerful tool now to combat racism and i feel that with the you know with all the netflix and the streaming options you can create your own channel for content you know more than ever i feel like we don't need pbs because people will find a way to create that content no matter what uh and you can fund that content out of your own pocket rather than having the government take it from you without your permission
1: yeah oh speaking of uh government and entertainment and everything how do you feel about The government having a hand in the script for Zero Dark Thirty a few years ago.
0: I think that is ridiculous because I feel that that would not have been permissible if uh, the Smith-Munt Act had not been recalled or repealed. Uh, Well, actually, I shouldn't say repealed. So the Smith-Munt Act, if you're not familiar with it, is the act that prohibited U.S. citizens being targeted with American propaganda. And that went the way of the dodo a few years ago, and I'm I'm sure it corresponded to that coming out because the government should not be allowed to have a hand in it unless it's explicit, and uh, you know it's like a this is a recruiting tool. So I'm not for it. I think that's complete horseshit. What about yeah, you? Yeah, well, I guess Mike
1: well, I mean, it depends on how it happened. Like if the government came to Catherine Bigelow was like, uh, "Hey, uh, we're going to make this movie about Obama, uh, the uh, assassination of Osama bin Laden." And if you direct it, we'll give you access to all of the highest tech gear so you can shoot the scene. We'll tell you exactly what happened. As long as you make this movie, that's a problem. But yeah. if they were going to make this movie anyway and then they go to the government, like, we're making this movie. You can get in and get it right or you can be out and we may get stuff wrong. And they said, OK, we're in. I have no problem with that. I'd rather something be accurate it than depends. have something be.
0: But I mean, let's yeah. be honest, knowing what we know about the government, do we really think that what the government provided them was accurate? And the, the whole Absolutely. truth well, and think, nothing but the truth. I, cause I, I, think, I think on a
1: technical <laughs> level, I think like when you see the raid at the end, tarrowing 20 minutes, I think I've seen in, in quite some time when it comes to like a cinema climax, because that movie like three hours long. Yeah. So and it was it was technically accurate. They had all the high tech gear and all this crazy stuff. And it was ex- ex- exhilarating, I think, probably in part because they had the full force of the U.S. military telling them how it should look, or at least their mind's eye of how it should look.
0: Yeah, true. I don't know. I just imagine yeah. Catherine Bigelow like, "Oh, you want? Uh, you think you're going to get director's cut?" And then they are just sitting in a dark room with a, a black bag over her head as they pour water down her mouth. You know, and they're like, "Oh, well, you mean, think about keeping that scene in there, Catherine?" In the <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Well, for for another side of things, did you see Thirteen Hours: The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi?
0: No, I did not. I heard about that, but I've not seen it.
1: it. I'm 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 fairly certain it's factually inaccurate to all hell. Mm. But what it does is it illustrates just how idiotic our government can be when it comes. Are we in Libya? Mm -hmm. Why did four people die? Why weren't they properly, you know, um, supported? Mm -hmm. And like for up until I saw this movie, like, oh, my God, it's Benghazi, another hearing. But then like you watch movies like, no, four human beings died over there because we screwed up. That is a big deal. And someone should pay for it
0: you know yeah yeah i agree it's good man. Like
1: the movies, it's on amazon
0: the fact that yeah i mean the fact that it got covered up in such in the way that it did and they came out with this pure lie about this being caused by the video that was put out rather than you know the, than the actual circumstances then they continue to push that same lie forever after it was disproven just aggravating as hell um but uh, now i'll have to check that out because i've not seen it yet
1: yeah, that's a good time. I mean, the thing about Michael Bay is, like, everyone gives him crap. But, like, that guy knows how to shoot a movie. I don't think he's ever made a movie that didn't look look awesome, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> – I have not I've – actually, I've, I've not seen a Michael Bay movie in quite some time because I couldn't take – like, I tried to watch the Transformers movie that was, like, three hours long, and I was like, I just can't. Which I one? Can't do it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. who needs three hours of Transformers? My God. Ugh. Actually,
1: if you want a, a quality libertarian movie, check out Pain and Gain. Uh, Oh, I love Game. Yeah, it's very funny You know what it is? That movie is about, you don't have to be smart to make it in America. You just have to work hard. That's the mentality. You know, like you want to be a screenwriter. You want to be an actor. A lot of the time it's getting up, putting the boots on the ground and doing what you have to do every day, every day, every day. true. Because it's the only thing throughout history that is proven to work. Luck happens, but you can't make luck. You can make hard work. Yeah. Which is incredible. They did all this. This guy worked this hard to break the law. But he was a stupid person. All those characters were you could say stupid meatheads. They weren't like <laughs> intelligent, but they had the drive yeah. and and the balls to go for it, which is what a lot of people don't have. And look how far they got. It's yeah. based on a true story. No?
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of people who uh, we don't know how intelligent they are, but they definitely got the drive and the balls. Uh, let's talk about Trump for a minute and uh, the White House correspondence Dinner. Okay. Because that just happened. And I, I did not watch the whole thing. I watched some of the highlights. I saw – uh, Hassan Minaj. I, no- yeah. I never had I never would to pronounce anybody's name. Hassan Minaj, uh, who's of the Daily Show, he had hosted the event and watching his, his stand up routine. I will, I will not lie, especially as somebody like I do stand up comedy. I don't know if you know that, but I do stand up comedy as well. Uh, just, uh, uh just uh, for shits and giggles. And watching him, you know, it's like I've talked to other comedians about this. Like I had Ryan Stout on the show, who's awesome, and we talked about how. It's so like going the, the Trump jokes are so low hanging fruit. Like oh. they're almost it's almost impossible to be funny making a Trump joke now because they're all so obvious. Like the jokes tell mm-hmm. themselves and that's what I feel like I don't know you know how much of it you watch but it just was like these hacky obvious jokes. Like he one of the the jokes that led off this highlight reel I watched was him saying, "Oh, you know, the uh, it's uh, shocking that the president or the, the leader of this nation isn't here." Because it's a long way from Moscow, and it's like, dude, everybody's Ah. told that joke 400 times already. Like, are you kidding me? You got paid to do this? You're at the the White House Correspondents' Dinner? You fucking hack?
1: You got to play to the audience. (laughs)
0: yeah i know well but it's sad and sick that that's yeah. the audience that that you know that these people are and and like larry wilmore did last year's and he's an even bigger unfunny hack you know he used to host his larry wilmore show after the daily show with all oh larry liberal, wilmore is
1: hilarious like oh, i mean I'm, i didn't see his correspondence in there but i love that guy he's the guy that ran blackish for a while uh, uh blackish, uh, and black-ish that's a show is fine
0: watch. blackish i agree yeah. blackish is not a bad show but my yeah. god his show was terrible and I saw him he was he was having a discourse with I think it was uh Milo Yiannopoulos who you know mm. I'm not saying Milo's uh the greatest guy either but he Larry Wilmer was the biggest idiot when I saw him are on that show Bill uh what's that
1: was it on Bill Maher
0: yeah yeah he did yeah.
1: just... oh Bill, Milo won that interview you got three fuck yous from three people that are much more like right astute then yeah, he is. Exactly. Like, I'm a one. I can't believe that. Yeah. And that's like, why I just lost
0: all respect for Wilmore though. In that instant where he's just like, fuck you. Fuck you. I was like, Jesus Wilmore. Really, man, you, I mean, come yeah. on.
1: I mean, he was put in a situation. Like the thing is, is like everyone has a moment like that. We're like, screw this, I'm out. You know, like the thing about Larry Wilmore, it, uh, this is my problem actually with a lot of like the, the left is all of their thought leaders are comedians. Yeah. They're all yeah, no, that's oh, true. like John Stewart. John Oliver, Stephen Colbert, uh, gosh, Bill Maher, Although Bill Maher has is tries to play things. He little says down- he's a
0: libertarian, but he is not. But at least he has yeah, some well, he's libertarian. He's not a
1: libertarian. Ratings. I think he just wants to smoke pot and wants people to shut <laughs> up. Exactly, just fine. But like, you know, with 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 like the, the White House correspondence dinner, like I get it. Uh huh. I understand. And like more power to him. It he made jokes we've heard a million times and at least they were moderately funny he got laughs and like the whole point of that room is to say things you shouldn't say allegedly but here he's playing to an audience all those people there don't like donald trump right yeah you know and i guess like like what the the, the best one ever done was when stephen colbert went right and colbert george was w great, was yeah. there yeah and talked <laughs> the truth to power and like I, one of my big concerns when it comes to comedy and entertainment is like I'm very weary of people who don't like something because it disagrees with their political views. Yeah. So like I've written like three or four articles in the Libertarian Republic where I deliberately mention Amy Schumer in, passion, mm-hmm. in, in, in Passing and almost inevitably someone will comment and say, Amy Schumer isn't funny. I'm like, well – you may not agree with what she says, but, I mean, she's a popular comedian and had a TV show that had some funny moments. So, I yeah, mean, I don't she's, know if they're not I, funny. I would say,
0: I don't, I, I don't like her necessarily, but I don't hate her. I find, I, for me, she kind of falls into the same realm as a lot of female comics, where I feel like it's like, uh, it's a little bit, again, a little bit of lazy humor to me, where it's like the same jokes I've heard a lot of women tell when they're trying to be risqué or racy, you know. Like, and I and All I right. kind of got to say, like Lisa, Amy Schumer is just Lisa Lapinelli, um, who happened to hit it a little bit bigger, in my opinion.
1: But right, I think right. Lisa Lapinelli doesn't, doesn't is very pop- funny. Yeah, oh, she's my dad loves Lisa lapinelli Like yeah, we got it's
0: her a DVD. That's crazy. But, you know, I want to go back real quick to something you said about the comedy and how the left there, you know, a lot of their leaders are, in fact, these comedians. And I feel like that's a, a huge problem in that when you talk to liberals, they're so used to mocking anything that is not in the, you know, dyed in the wool liberal, uh, excuse me, liberal progressive mindset that it makes dialogue that much more difficult. And I blame it's, comedy and I blame the left for that by saying, oh, it's all right. And you know, anything that we don't agree with explicitly is stupid and should be mocked instead of listened to or understood. And it's like if you talk to a progressive, they just do that. They mock you instead of actually listening and they won't fuse to adjust yeah. their mindset. And it's incredibly frustrating.
1: Well, I mean, if you want to go through the timeline, here's what happened. Fox News goes right. John Stewart's like, that's stupid. I'm going to make my entire show about mocking Fox News. All of a sudden, all these people that don't necessarily watch news are in high school, they're in college, you know, they're on the internet. John Stewart's talking about politics. They're the person he turns to. Oh, yeah. John Stewart begets Stephen Colbert. John Stewart begets Samantha B. John Stewart begets John Oliver. And now these people. Are trading in 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 a level of sarcasm and snark that makes it really really hard to have a conversation. And worse, there are thought leaders like where did you hear normalize and where did you hear resist first? For me, I heard it from Bill Maher and John Oliver. Yeah, yeah. You know, like no, talk. Find a smart person. Like I'm not saying they're not smart, but they're not scholars. Right. You know, I, I I'm not sure if they're journalists because their their job is to make you laugh first. Inform you second, which means they can cut corners, they can creatively edit footage, and they can pick their sources. Like Bill Maher will take stuff out of Vox.com. I'm like, don't use that oh, source. God. You're validating. Yeah, your Vox argument. is
0: Vox is the worst. Well, you know, that, that brings up an interesting point. There's a new show with Keanu 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 Bell God. Oh, where he talked to
1: Richard Spencer? Yeah,
0: and I just I've only seen the clip of it. And because I've heard Richard Spencer on a number of different platforms, uh, you know, obviously I don't agree with a lot of what he's saying, but I do respect him for being anti-war and breaking with yeah. Trump on that, which is pretty impressive. And I listened to him on um, on uh, part of the problem. Dave Smith had him on his podcast and it was a very interesting interview. Um, yeah. But meanwhile, I see this on this Kiamu Bell show coming up and it's just like they, they cut in the clips of just Richard Spencer being like, I want to bathe in white privilege. And, you know, we we think women should do this. And you go. I'm curious to see the actual interview because I'm wondering how much they edited him because I've heard him speak in other forums and he's not as bad as people make him out to be. He's not somebody I want leading a country, but I mean, he's nowhere near as bad as he's been portrayed in the media. So I'm wondering how they've creatively edited this with this, you know, super progressive black comedian to their audience. And it brings back that rally. You're saying they they don't have this responsibility to give you the whole truth. They've clearly got an agenda. Um, right well
1: CNN has a responsibility to do that. That's a comedian on a news show.
0: Right. But yeah. I
1: don't know if CNN is going to, you know, live up to that responsibility or well, not. Well,
0: CNN is um, they've already seemed to abandon any any responsibility to actually have in, journalistic integrity in my opinion. Oh, they they become I mean, MSNBC. They're now CS uh, you know MSNBC uh, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, but so is everybody. Like that's the problem. Like yeah, yeah. everybody. Like this uh this past week uh, the libertarian, the Liberty conservative or whatever, uh, thought Facebook censored them. And they're like, how dare Facebook censor us and not allow us to post. Mm -hmm. So me being a little shit starter, I'm like, well, you know, you guys censored me way back in the day. You (laughs) wouldn't let me write an article about abortion and then you deleted it and didn't tell me. And then they called me like, you know, in favor of infanticide or like wanting to kill babies. And I'm like, (laughs) well, I didn't quite say that. And if you hadn't deleted my article, you'd know that. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like the issue is that it's all about getting reactions. Like I write an article, the old articles I write that people agree with, no response, no engagement, lots of views, but you need response and engagement for a website to make money. So that's why my PBS article has something like 16 comments and my dear white people, which I think is something a lot of people would probably agree with or find interesting, doesn't have any, you know, or my article about Bill O'Reilly doesn't have any because it's about things people agree with and that is uh inherently less profitable than getting people angry and getting them to share and say oh my god i can't believe what this person said what a racist
0: yeah you know yeah no totally um you know one thing too here let me go back real quick though so before we go on to because i do want to end on talking just briefly about your your article about uh, dear white people but yeah. before we do that i want to get back real quick and see what you thought about Wood, woodward and bernstein both spoke at the white house correspondence dinner and oh
1: gosh, I I didn't see that at all.
0: Oh no? Oh okay. Well I will uh I will read their comments to you. And by the way, I do want to point out that the White House Correspondence Center did have a libertarian comedian, Drew Carey, oh, there we go. in 2002. Oh, and was, Drew Carey's a man.
1: Yeah,
0: he's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um so the, here's what uh, what these guys said. So Bob Woodward got up there, and by the way, Bob Woodward sounds like he's using Roger Ebert's uh you know, Robo <laughs> talk device. He seriously yeah. sounds like Stephen Hawking up there. It's cra- it's the craziest thing. Uh, He speaks so slowly and so robotically. But he basically got up there and he said that the media is not fake news. But meanwhile, he then went on to rip the media for saying, you know, journalists shouldn't have a dog in a political fight except to find the truth, which is exactly goddamn right. Mm -hmm. And then Bernstein got up there and also basically made a statement saying that, you know, you've got to find the truth. Uh, But he also went a little deeper, saying unreasonable government secrecy is the enemy and the giveaway to what the real story might be. When lying is combined with secrecy, there is a pretty good roadmap ahead of us. So follow the lies. And uh, I tell you, it was great to hear actual journalists speak who actually want to report the facts and not just a political agenda.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Right. It's so refreshing. Like it's it's brutal because like CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all of them. Like, how many of the big stories that have come out since Donald Trump was elected have been,
0: according to sources, yeah. White House
1: officials say?
0: Yeah. No, I'm not sure. Anonymous, if... anonymous, anonymous. Yeah. And yeah.
1: have you seen the movie Broadcast News? Yeah, I love that movie. Okay, so in that movie, uh, the main character, Holly Hunter, is like, you know what I can't stand when someone quotes a guy in the back having a coffee in the White House? uh you know white house press gaggle and quotes them as a senior white house official yeah i'm like oh god that's exactly what i'm worried about and they were worried about it back then too <laughs> you know we don't know who's saying this stuff we have all this stuff about trump where's the evidence of russian collusion where's the evidence right. of the stuff like i am so sick of seeing an official says get someone on record or don't publish it
0: yeah exactly Unless or confirm ever- the sources yeah. have like i mean i remember i was watching uh all the president's men recently which i I believe uh-huh. is the one with Word and Bernstein. And they're Hopefully. giving
1: those guys shit. They're like, oh, yeah. you can't. No, 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 we need sources, and you don't have it. You got yeah, nothing. You, you can't have to confirm
0: them with like three different confirm confirmations of the source. And yeah, they're giving them all this shit. And it's the, and the irony is, it's the Washington Post, which I I did a a quick write up. I think at some point on on dot uh, But I was looking at this email. I get I get an email every day from the Washington Post because I signed up. And every headline is just garbage, 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 anti-Trump garbage. Like, I mean, it's it is ridiculous. It's a travesty of journalism that The Washington Post, which was such an incredibly important paper for the, you know, for busting the Watergate scandal and and exposing the government underbelly for what it was. And and all these horrible actions that were being undertaken that were violating people's liberties and violating the Constitution. And you go, what the fuck happened?
1: You know, I think I
0: know what happened. Uh money happened. Uh, so they, they found that the liberal, well, liberal, liberal media or liberal readers, and they, uh, they decided to custom tailor the message to them.
1: I think what happened was is people stopped buying newspapers. Well,
0: exactly. And yeah,
1: uh, yeah and and, the, and again, only way profit motive, only way to make money is to get people to share and view your shit. Best yep. way to do that, make you angry. Did you click on those articles that look like crazy propaganda?
0: Oh, I I know I stopped. I refuse. Okay, I, I know how the, the game works like- too much, so I refuse to click on anything that I think is crazy propaganda.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and you know, and I, I think society in some way bears a little bit of responsibility here. We stop paying for quality reporting. When's yeah. the last time I can't remember the last time I bought a newspaper or anything news related?
0: No, I agree. I bought USA today at the airport. That's about it. And yeah, I and, you know, and I mostly buy that for the crossword puzzle.
1: Yeah, so, like, the only way to do, like, objective journalism is to get people to pay for you to do whatever you want. So, like, you've got Dave Rubin, who has all of his Patreon supporters. you got Colin Moriarty, who's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's hard to do. Because, like, even me, if I want to sit down and write, like, a big, long story because I have a full-time job in addition to doing this kind of thing. But you yeah, know, that hey, like me too, man. <laughs> yeah, so, like, any story I write that's going to be good, it's going to take me longer. And by the time I get it out, no one's going to care. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, no, exactly. So- right. It's 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 definitely the model is the model is broken. Now, there will be a model that will replace because people do need news. But yeah, you're totally right. in that with at people and also people actively looking for the echo chamber effect. So we right. know that already. We see it on Facebook. Facebook's made it worse than ever. Uh, especially in the, with the way the algorithms work. Same thing with Google, with the algorithms where it shows you content that you're more likely to Google anyway. So, we're, mm-hmm. yeah, we're in this cyclone wherein you can't escape the eye. You're in the eye of the storm where you don't realize that you're fucked until you start to go out of it. And you go, oh, well, clearly I've just been uh, in a cyclone of my own horse shit, and the real world is completely different. And I've, I've been just living in a complete and utter uh, fantasy land.
1: Yeah, that's how I got into this libertarian thing anyway. Um. after the election, I was like, oh, man, who am I going to listen to talk about this? And every outlet I went to was saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. What am I going to say to my kids? What oh, is going to happen? What's going to happen to <laughs> us? Like, I've heard all of this before, and then I know what the right's going to say. I'm like, there has to be someone in the middle.
0: Yeah. Well, welcome hey, to the middle.
1: Stapleton. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's fantastic. I love right. it. People are supportive. Like, even if they hate me, they respect my ability to say it. Right. It's yeah. fantastic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's well, there's talking. one thing libertarians love to do is it's fight each other.
1: Well, this is well. See, that's a tricky part too. Like, you know, actionable items like getting us galvanized. Getting I, I use us. Like, I I'm a small L libertarian. I'm not gonna. I'm not registered or anything. No, no, neither am I. But uh, yeah, so like you know, to get us galvanized and give us an issue to go after, I think that would be you know golden. You know, find something we can all get together on something that's relatively easy, and act. Go for it. Deploy. You know, <laughs> but we're too busy talking about the non-aggression principle and taxation yeah. is theft and pbs taking a buck 75 of our money to actually do anything
0: yeah yeah and no, i do agree yeah. that the libertarianism does get uh focusing on things like the you know this the, the broader concepts that people fight for like oh we should abolish the irs it doesn't i hate to say it even though i'm all for abolishing the yeah. irs and tax it doesn't help our cause like that's something that has to be done gradually over time and people have to understand that especially when it comes to politicians um you know you need to ease your way into into those changes, you can't just come right. in and say we're going to destroy all these institutions, and uh, you know, don't worry, private private companies will pay for the roads right away, and expect people to be like, okay, yeah, because you and need to really the, know what you're talking about. You need to know about the economics and private markets and everything behind that to understand it and be able to to believe that it's going to be okay.
1: So, like the the the, the foundation of libertarianism is personal responsibility, right? And like, if you look at how people act on Facebook, how people act in society. I don't think we're anywhere near being ready to do that. I think people would die in the street, and we would have anarchy.
0: Yeah, you know, no, I like, agree. people are people are yeah. completely lost without uh, somebody to blame or somebody to clean up their boo boos and give them uh, a five dollar bill when they've got nothing to do and nothing, you know, no money, no job. Yeah, it, people, without a doubt, it, it's gotten worse and worse as it's gone along. And uh, you know, we're getting way off topic. Actually, we may we yeah. may not have time to talk about dear white people. <laughs> That's okay. (laughs) Yeah, we can. I'll have you back on another time. (laughs) But um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the way society has become and it's becoming worse because, I mean, I blame parents. I blame the the government. I blame that we're we're basically past the tipping point where more than 50 percent of the population is already on welfare or some sort of government assistance. So, you know, you've got this bloating voting block where I don't know. I mean, unless we can somehow insidiously worm our way into the government, and start to roll this stuff back. Uh, very authoritatively, I don't see how it's going to happen because too many people are already on the dole to make it to make it a reality just organically.
1: Yeah, my big pie in the sky plan is like it's a massive spending program, but I think it would help in the end is that, um, you know how we have the army, right? You join, you serve your army, you get X, you, you should get X number of benefits for doing that, right? Mm-hmm. So like say you're a person, you don't have a job, you don't have this, you don't have that, but maybe you're not physically fit enough to join the army. You know, like if there was some way that you could show up to your local state house and be like, yo, I can type, is there some work I can do? Mm -hmm. You know, and then that way you're putting that person to work, you're teaching them personal responsibility and you get them off welfare. Or more importantly, if they're on welfare, you give them work to do or else they don't get their welfare check. I'm sure there is plenty of uh, stuff in government not being done.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I agree with like that. I mean, yeah. work for welfare is a concept that's definitely been around for a while, but it seems to be mm-hmm. run so inefficiently. And that's that's my problem with with that concept, though, is saying, yeah. OK, we're going to have a, even we're going to add a whole even more bureaucracy <laughs> to make this a possibility and, and give these people work, I think, is uh, is an idea that will that will end up costing more and, and resulting in less. Whereas. If you instead say, okay, you know, we've got all these people on welfare, you've got all these people out of work, you guys feel they can work, but they're not getting employed, where you say, okay, well, instead of, you know, instead of the government doing it, why don't we get rid of the minimum wage, let these people work and make money and get rid of, you know, the 40-hour work week where you get mandatory overtime after that, let people work as many hours as they want to work, as many places they want to work. And, you know, I guarantee people will get employed. People will make money. The marketplace will have a a surge in in uh, productivity. And, you know, then you can just get rid of it. You you basically overnight you get rid of the welfare state. Everybody will get something and, and private charity can take care of the rest. I mean, that's the libertarian concept, of course. But I honestly truly believe it, especially when you see in Seattle, there's already restaurants that are firing people and shutting down because of the new minimum wage laws going into place.
1: Yeah, it's brutal. And then they raise taxes in soda. I think it was in Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they have to lay off a bunch of people there. Yep. (laughs) And what's really weird in in Chicago, where I am, they just instituted a a, a plastic bag tax. Yeah. They have to pay seven cents per plastic bag or paper bag. Yep. I'm like, okay, so you need us to use these bags, but you're going to punish us for it. And then if we don't use them, you guys don't get the revenue. (laughs) <laughs> so, what do you want me to do? You know, it's like when they tax cigarettes. It's like twelve bucks for a pack of cigarettes here.
0: Oh God! And yeah, they like, just raised ours by like three or four dollars a pack. It's absurd.
1: Yeah, you're in California. Yeah. Yeah, they don't hit you over the head with something when you try and buy that.
0: No, they they have a laser system. You have to do a whole thing. You got to put fog in. You have to do a whole underworld kind of gymnastics routine. Okay, yeah, it's a whole thing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> from what I understand, California is kind of wild.
0: <laughs> it's just it's insane here trying to yeah I mean every they put, they put you every tax and every regulation that they can possibly put through against anything, and you know I said this on a show a few a few shows ago, but it's just it it drives me up the wall because it's just it's basically look you know everybody wants to protect minorities and protect these special interest groups. you know what, how about protecting fucking smokers? they just want to have a cigarette, man, why are you cracking down to these people? You know, it's a it's yeah. its own form of racism going after the yeah. smokers, taxing them, taxing uh, something they love out of existence. You're 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 performing uh smoker genocide by eliminating these people. Well, I think smokers them. are committing
1: just enough genocide to themselves. But well, ex- exactly. Um, so
0: why, why not just let them let them uh, work, work themselves out? <laughs>
1: because no one's going to say, what about the smokers when it comes time to tax them? You know, we, <laughs> yeah. we smell bad. We we get in the face of other people, you know, well, you where know uh, we're.
0: Yeah, they just you know the smokers, man. These I say a lot of the smoking people. They are also when you look at the the statistics, it's a lot of lower income people. It's a lot of people that they know that that's one of their vices that they can afford. Let them have their Mm -hmm. vice.
1: This is true. Yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, it is what it is. I suppose it's just these little tiny things, Uh, microaggressions. I think is the term. You know, like. A pack of e-cigarettes here is like 12 bucks, which is yeah. crazy. I'm like, why? That is infinitely more healthy for me than a, yeah. than these black adults that I smoke. Why exactly are they so
0: expensive? Well, you know, it's like that? the advocates now, they've got to keep their funding coming for something. So now they're going after vaping and going after everything else under the sun. So it's-
1: yeah, I saw Truth.org had like a, it's liquid poison. I'm like, you motherfuckers, you no. don't know that.
0: No, they don't know anything. It's just propaganda. It's, it's
1: and like, no, the, the argument of we don't know enough to put it out, like uh, that has some weight, but it's liquid poison. You don't know that.
0: Yeah, uh, well you I love, like I st- love the argument yeah. they go well we don't we, you know, we don't know anything about it but we're against it and uh, and it's in my opinion you know not to go too deep in the climate thing cuz they just had two marches they couldn't couldn't get their goddamn calendars sunk up to do uh, one oh. march for climate science they had to do two back to back weeks but you know they're making vast changes to policy based upon science that is still not proven and we still don't have models that work yet they're like you know vaping's terrible for you based on no evidence whatsoever so it's, it's yeah, all the same
1: you Just invest that money in clean energy if you're going to spend a whole bunch of money to lower the temperature of the earth how about instead of punishing people why don't you spend that money to invent new things there you go and then by exactly time, uh, like cap and trade is ludicrous
0: that's uh, it's a horrible horrible concept oh uh. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you know what? Here I'm going to wrap us up because we're going very, uh, very long here. Um, You know, guys, I want to real quick remind everybody you can follow Paul on Twitter at uh, me. What is it again? Remind me. Meekin at Uh, the movies. Meekin on movies. Meekin on movies. There you go. Meekin on movies. You can also find him at the Libertarian or uh, excuse me, Libertarian Republic. Tripping over my own words here at the end of the show. Um. Reminder, guys, follow us on Twitter at Lions of Liberty. You can, of course, find this episode and all the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 18. And please do give us a review on iTunes if you have the chance. Helps us immensely. All right, guys, that all being said, again, thank you so much, Paul, for being on the show. You are a champion of men. I look forward to speaking to you again.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm around. I'm Excellent. seeking gainful employment. So if anyone's out there and wants a podcast guest, I know a guy.
0: There you go. I'll link to your resume <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> All right, guys. So from Paul, from me, Brian McWilliams at Electric Liberty Land and Lions of Liberty, always stay plugged in to Liberty.